there, everyone. Welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. Every week, we bring you simple answers to help your homeschool family thrive. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. I have a real treat for you today. Kirk Martin is back on the podcast this week because he has so much helpful information to share with parents that I really wanted to bring him back. Today, we'll be talking all about power struggles with strong-willed children, and then specifically how to homeschool them. For many of you, there'll be a lot of familiar situations discussed, so I hope you'll tune in to get some practical approaches to those, as well as encouragement about where you're headed with that strong-willed kiddo. Kirk was a standout at our event in Round Rock, and I can't wait for you to hear him in Pigeon Forge in May. If you don't have your ticket yet, you can get one now and save $24 with our anniversary sale going on until April 23rd. Go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash events to get your ticket now and use discount code SAVE24 to save $24 when you do. You do not want to miss this event. So go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash event to get some more information now. Before we dive in, I wanted to tell you about our sponsor for today's episode. ALP was here before homeschooling was accepted, before it was a movement, before you were told you had to stay home, before it was popular. Their mission today remains the same as it did 45 years ago when they began, to educate, inspire, and change lives through curriculum that promotes academic excellence and Christian values. Discover the benefits of a Christian homeschool education and learn more about AOP's award-winning homeschool options today at AOP.com or call them at 1-800-622-3070. Again, that's AOP.com or call them at 1-800-622-3070. Now, I invite you to join me for my conversation with Kirk Martin. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am glad that you are joining us again today, and I think that you are going to get an awful lot of really helpful information and insight especially for those of us that have strong-willed children. And if I was a betting woman, I would bet that in pretty much every family, you've got somebody that falls into that category. So we're going to be talking about that today. I am joined again by Kirk Martin of Celebrate Calm. Kirk was on the podcast not too, too long ago um, and was just so helpful that I wanted to make sure we got him on again. We also, he's going to be joining us in Round Rock and Pigeon Forge for our events this year. So be sure that you get a ticket and plan to join him there because you are going to want to hear what he has to say. So Kirk, welcome back to the podcast. I am so glad that you're here today. Leslie, I'm super excited. I'm really excited about the conventions too, because it's awesome to be together in person. You know, you get to talk to parents individually, go through different situations. So I'm glad you're doing that. It's awesome. Well, I appreciate it. And you're right. There is, you can't you can't bottle the experience of being with that many people 
actually sharing your stories, sharing your experiences, fellowshipping with people who are going the same direction you are, making similar choices. It is it is a, a feeling of community and just refreshment that it's hard to put into words really how deeply impactful it is for families. You know, the cool thing too, if you have a strong-willed child, you feel like you're alone, right? Like you're the only one who has a child like this. And then when you're in the room and we start describing the strong-willed child and you say, oh my gosh, they look like a good family and their child doesn't want to do schoolwork and they yell at their kids and you realize you're not alone, that you're not a bad mom or dad. And there is, it is very, very comforting and then also encouraging um, to walk away with some tools to help with these kids. So yeah, that'll be awesome. Oh, I think so too. Well, you just alluded to actually one of the first things I wanted to ask you today. And that is, you know, we I just set it up that we're going to be talking about strong-willed children and specifically power struggles with strong-willed children. But that seems like it's such a squishy term to me. And it's it's something that you don't really want to lay on your child because you don't know exactly what that means for a lot of, at least I always struggled with that. So can you tell us before we even dive in, what is a strong-willed child? What does that look like? So that those of us who are wondering, hmm, could this possibly be, can actually kind of wrap our heads around it. So here's how we would define it. These are kids that tend to be pretty bright, but they tend not to they tend not to be academically motivated, right? They're they're bright, good critical thinking skills but they tend to use their intelligence to argue with you because they're kind of like cops, judges, and little attorneys all wrapped into one. And when they Uh wake up in the morning, these kids have an agenda because they picture things and they know what they want and they know what they don't want. And what they don't want is usually anything that you want them to do. So you will have power struggles literally over everything. And you will spend their childhood saying this, if you would just do What I asked you to do, you would be done in seven minutes, but you'd rather argue with me (laughs) for seven hours or days or weeks or years and lose everything you own. And you will find that consequences tend not to work with these kids, right? Like you'll say like, Mm. I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. And they'll say, oh, could we use Irish spring? And and so it's tough because they want to do things on their own terms and that will cause you to bristle because you're like, I'm the authority figure in the home. And you want to go kind of that, like that tough, my way or the highway route. And they will push against that. The more you push, the more they resist. And so you have to lead them. You have to draw them. You'll find a couple more little things. You'll find that oftentimes they're really, really good for other people but they're horrible for you, right? Like your friends are going to say like, your daughter is such a delight to be with. And you're going to be like, seriously? Because all she does is pick on her sister and fight us all the time. You'll find they're often really good at doing adult things, but they're not Mm. so great at doing kid things. They're very comfortable in the adult world. Many of these kids connect better with adults. They connect better with uh, little kids and animals, but they often struggle with, their peers. So they feel very defensive in life. And if we get into a little bit what they're feeling, it's like, I don't always fit in. It feels like everybody's against me. It feels like my parents are always picking on me and I'm always in trouble. And so they'll shut down or become resistant. And um, I, I love these kids because there's so much in there 
that we can work with, but they don't respond to the same things as say your compliant children do. So as a parent, you're often like, oh, what am I going to do with this child? So that's what we're going to mm. talk about the convention and a little bit today. But if that describes your child, you're definitely not alone. <laughs> no. Well, and and I just kind of as a follow-up question for that, before we go in to, you know, really talking about how to parent them as they're growing up, these kids that are so strong-willed, they argue, I mean, I have one in particular that you just described to a T. Now he is an adult, and I can see how God can use exactly how God made him. So for those that are in the trenches, what does this kind of a strong will in a in a young person, what does that help them do as an adult? What is what is kind of the outcome as we mold and, and help them take control of, of the you know the self-control needed? Um, what what does this kind of play into as they grow up? Excellent question because I like I like looking at the long term and part of your struggle as a parent is you're going to have anxiety and think, uh-oh, who would possibly marry this child? Who is going to hire this child, right? You project into the future. But the future is very good for these kids because mm-hmm. think of all the things that irritate us, right? We will say like, he is, he is pig-headed and obstinate. Well, I see a persistent kid who knows what he wants and knows how to get it. He just doesn't always want to do what you want him to do. You have kids who are very independent. And we'll talk at the convention because we have a lot of time there to talk about the idea of ownership, because what do we really want for our kids? We want them to grow up and have ownership of their lives, to be responsible for themselves. And these kids are often very good at that. It just comes across at times as defiance because they don't always want to do it your way. And you will have to wrestle with, well, maybe my way isn't necessarily the only way Like I have to have boundaries. We've got to have clear objectives. But these kids are very good at forging things on their own. Uh, We call them stove touchers, right? They have to touch that hot stove and learn from by themselves through experience. Well, that's a great trait. It's just really hard for us as parents because it's more comfortable for us to dictate, to control everything they do. And they push against that in the real world, oh man, I want to hire a kid with lots of energy, a young person with lots of energy who has initiative, who isn't afraid to fail, who does try new things, who wants to push the limits a little bit. I want that kid opening up new markets for me, doing sales. I want that persistent kid who doesn't take no for an answer. I just don't want to raise that child, right? That's... (laughs) That's the hard part. I do want to, and I love my son, but it is hard. But yet all those traits that irritated us about our our son when he was little are the very traits now that take charge nature that help him be successful as an adult. Exactly. And it's so cool to see that transformation take place. And even um, again, with a with a rearview mirror that I've got now with my with with my oldest, to be able to have the conversations with this you know very deliberate, very strong willed, very driven guy as an adult, 
looks totally different. And it's cool. The fact that in, in a way, I feel like you earn their respect as you, as they're growing up by the way that you deal with them and not by crushing their strong will, but by leaning into it, helping them control it, of course, but, but really helping them understand that's how God created them. And then the relationship that that creates with this extraordinarily awesome man or woman is really, really amazing. God's ways are just so awesome. Yeah, that's good perspective because I think sometimes we think um, uh, we're giving kids so that we can raise them. And with a strong-willed child, they're actually going to cause you to grow up because Mm -hmm. you have to come face-to-face with your own control issues, your anxiety. A lot of it is... You know, I was just doing, right before we talked, I was doing a phone consultation with a missionary family in China. And the dad was saying, look, I was raised with this view of God, that this God is just this art, author, author, I'm not saying it right, (laughs) authoritarian, mean guy who just wants me to follow rules and he picks out everything I do wrong. It's kind of that old school kind of approach. And there's good parts of old school, but there's also that kind of rigid And he's like, I thought my job was to walk around just correcting my child all the time. And I've forgotten to point out all the things that he does well. And what this dad, what we came to is he said, I want to be a safe dad. I want to be a dad that my son doesn't fear, but that he respects and feels safe coming to him. I was like, yes, that's the vision of God. You're giving him a vision of the heart of the father that he can wrestle with things and come to his both heavenly father and his earthly father, father, no, I'm a safe place and I can help you through these things and I can affirm you where you are and teach you how to deal with your frustration, your anxiety, your disappointments in life. So yeah, it causes us, it, it, my son changed me drastically And it helped open up a whole new world to me. And just learning how to communicate in a different way is, it's a gift. The the strong-willed child is such a gift to us. Yeah. And it's easy to forget that. It's easy to get in in the, in the moment, in the mix, in, you know, in the struggle. And you forget that that strong-willed child, just like the more compliant child, just like the precious sweet child, all of them, each one that you have is such a gift. And the fact that God creates them all so differently is, is pretty amazing too. And the fact that we get to parent all of those different individuals is another thing that's just awe-inspiring. Yes. And it's also, yes, it's all inspiring and terrifying at times. Because, all at the same time. <laughs> right? If you had a compliant child first, you're like, we are such good parents. Exactly. We did everything so well. And then you have the strong will child, and you're like, literally everything is backfiring. I can't even give them a consequence. My strong will child actually gives me consequences. I've had parents <laughs> say that before, where the child says, oh, you know, Leslie, what, uh, one of my favorite things a strong will child ever said uh I was a, a teenage daughter. Her mom said, um, honey, it's time for you to unload the dishwasher. And the teenage daughter said, no, thanks. So she wasn't being outright defiant. She was politely being defiant. And it's like, okay, how do you respond to that one? Wow. It's, yeah, isn't that awesome? And so, uh, 
<laughs> it's just, they are. And if you can learn, you know, uh, we'll get into, especially at the conference, we'll get into a lot of the nitty gritty details, but, but from an overall standpoint, I think you hit on this, accepting them on a very deep level for who they are. That was my first challenge with my son. I spent the first nine and a half years of his life trying to fix him, trying to control him, trying to change his very nature so that it was easier for me. And, and when I finally realized this is who God made my son and I need to embrace that and work with that, it changed everything. So a lot of it was about changing my own perspective, avoiding, um, like this dad I was just talking to as a missionary uh, dad, it was, it for him is changing his prism. He said, I think every, I think my son wakes up and just wants to irritate me on purpose. And I was like, I don't, I think sometimes he does because you react to him. But I think mainly you're misinterpreting his motives. And when you start to understand their hearts, because they do have big hearts, just usually mm-hmm. toward other people, not their parents. Mm-hmm. But when you understand that, you can really enjoy these kids and enjoy that process of changing alongside with them. It's a really cool thing. It really is. It's a it's a gift. It's a blessing. But it is something that it it's wise to be prepared for. It's wise to seek counsel for. Um, because especially if you are not particularly strong-willed yourself, I know I found, um, I, I found it quite eye-opening. I was neither a boy, he was a boy, nor was I particularly strong-willed, he was, he was my first. So, you know, it's like all of these things are completely foreign to me and I'm learning them all at the same time. So seeking counsel, uh, talking to other people, again, kind of looping back to that, getting around other people who who you can share stories, you can laugh together, you can cry together, but you can also learn from experiences as people are going maybe a little bit farther along the road as you are. Right. And that's what I hope. Honestly, that's what our whole, that's our family mission. Like I did it wrong for a really mm-hmm. long time and nearly destroyed my relationship with Casey. And so, and then we've worked with almost a million families. So we kind of have a good idea of this. And so hopefully my goal, and I'm 56 now, so I'm getting to be an old guy. I want to share (laughs) my life wisdom so that you as parents, so you guys don't make the same mistakes. And and you're going to wrestle with these things, right? You're going to think, am I letting this child get away with things? It's like, I'm not letting them get away with things. I'm using wisdom and knowing this is an independent child. And when I give this child a little bit of space and time, that child usually comes back, like I was talking with this family. It's like, if we get on them right away, hey, we need to talk about how you were just talking to your mother. Well, that almost always escalates if you go at them in the moment. But if you give them a little bit of space, they will come back downstairs. Hey, mom, I'm sorry. I was just really frustrated and I took it out on you. And there's wisdom in, okay, I just got, I led my child to contrition versus forcing an apology. Right. Right? And there's wisdom in, you need to apologize right now versus using humility. Humility is a powerful tool because, right, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's the humility of Jesus that draws me to him. It's not that he's so powerful and he knows right from wrong. 
It's his humility in how he dealt with people, the woman caught in adultery, the woman at the well, how he dealt with people. That humility draws me to him. And that humility, it is not second nature, especially to a lot of us as Christian parents. We're like, nope, I got to bring the hammer down on this child. (laughs) And that hammer for the strong-willed child will crush that child and ruin your relationship. But when you lead, yeah, when you lead and draw them, you can be tough. And we'll go through this in the conference. I can be very tough on a strong-willed child. It's Mm -hmm. just my tone of voice is very even matter of fact. I'm talking to them. It's short and sweet. I'm not shaming them. I'm not talking too much. You can be tough, but it just sounds differently than it does mm-hmm. maybe with another child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and even as you were talking over the last, I don't know, within the last month, at least, Two of our blog posts have dealt with very similar circumstances to what you were talking about. One was um, David wrote about a time, and it was a specific thing. One of my kids got tangled up with me. David was not happy. And he actually wrote about a very similar reaction that you'd noted with, you know, you should apologize to your mother. You don't treat your mother that way. And just, you know, how it could have gone, how it should have gone. Um, and then, you know, just the leading to repentance and even making sure that relationship is solid by being willing to apologize, even if you aren't the catalyst for the exact problem there. You're not wrong in the situation, except for the fact that you are escalating and your reactions to it are not moving things forward. So breaking those barriers down and being willing as a parent to always be the one who's making sure that that relationship is is tight, that you are moving things forward instead of putting a wedge that Satan can use to just you know put that break in that relationship um, is so, so important with all of our kids. But we found that especially with that strong-willed one, because they'll just, they'll just keep going in that direction. <laughs> if, if we let that wedge be there, then they can kind of dig in their heels and just go with it. Yeah. And that was, I read that, that blog post, that was awesome. I was like, this is right up our alley. This is such a good fit. And I use, you know, at the conference, probably one of the first stories is when our son used to yell at my wife and I go in and escalate, what are you thinking? How many times have I told you, you don't talk to your mother like this. And I had to unload on him on all these different things. And there was, you know, there's a deep, there's some deep nuances here of, I would, I, at times I realized I wanted my son to mess up like that because then I felt justified laying into him about all those other things. And I often escalated things on purpose so that my son would say horrible things to me so I'd feel justified. And what I realized I was doing was saying, in effect, what I was saying was this, son, I need you to behave and do exactly what I tell you to do. Because if you don't do what I tell you to do, if you don't behave, I'm not sure I can behave and you do not want to see me angry. In effect, I was asking my son to manage my emotions for me because I couldn't control myself. So I needed him to be the perfect little child so that I didn't erupt. And so we started to flip that around because the message I want to send to all of my kids, but especially as you say, the strong-willed child is, When your world is out of control, mine's not. I can handle you. 
when you're even at your worst, when you're frustrated, when you're anxious, when you're disappointed. I'm the solid rock that you can rely on and I'm not going to freak out. And so, yeah, what David wrote in there was just, that was beautiful. And that's the, that's the relationship. It's relationships change behavior. Yeah. It's not consequences. It's our, it's our relationship with our father, with Jesus that changes me because I want to be more like him, not because he set out some rules and some consequences. No, I want to be close to him and be like him. And so we can model that for our kids where they're like, oh yeah, my dad apologizes when he messes up. My mom apologizes and they're working on themselves. It's a really cool process. Yeah, it really is. And and it does pay. I mean, it's it's amazing. And we could kind of stick here and I really want to move us forward. But I, I just want to encourage those of you that are still, you have young kids, you have teenagers, middle school, whatever it is, that that your faithfulness and your humility and your love for them, God uses all of that. And you will, you will, there will come a day when you'll see really just the benefits of the way that God created that child and also the consistency with which you parented them. So just wanted to encourage your heart in that way um, as one who is, you know, kind of on the other side, um, as, as is Kirk. We're, we're both getting a little bit older here. Um, but <laughs> I wanted also, Kirk, I wanted to get down to some of the nitty gritty because a lot of the families that are listening in, um, they are homeschoolers. And I know that I felt like I was moving an elephant sometimes, not successfully more often than not. So what are the most difficult challenges of actually homeschooling a strong-willed child? And how can you, you know, how can a mom, a dad effectively homeschool and deal with that, that strong will at the same time? That's a good question. That's hard, right? So let's do, let's do the schoolwork. Uh, and maybe calming different uh, difficult situations. Let me do the calming thing real quickly. Mm -hmm. So uh, in that situation, the first thing I think about when a child is getting upset, when we're having a power struggle, is I have to control myself. I like changing my body posture because I'm standing, if I'm walking around in the kitchen, it tends to create like a defensive response with a child. So I actually like sitting down at times when I'm really frustrated. It changes the response to, from the child it changes my tone of voice. I love using even matter of fact voice. As soon as I start to get visibly irritated, as soon as I start, right, this is a homeschooling parent voice of like, guys, I try to make your day fun. I try to come up with good lessons, right? As soon as you get that pleading tone, you're escalating and it's kind of, it, it will devolve. So we have a phrase that we use, motion changes emotion. I don't initially try to get the child to calm down because you'll notice you say, calm down, honey, calm down. Well, nobody likes to be told to calm down, especially by someone who's yelling at them to calm down. And a lot of words, sometimes you'll find that using a lot of words and talking too much is actually provoking your child to anger. Yeah. And so, so I like movement and I like giving kids something specific to do that they're in control of. So it could be, say you've got three kids and at any one time, two of them are going to be picking on each other. There's always going to be sibling fights going on and you've got one who's melting down, really upset about something. And so acknowledging with intensity, 
Strong-willed kids like intensity. So I don't say, oh, honey, I know that's really, I don't like a really soft tone with a strong-willed child because it sounds like you're not taking it seriously. So it may sound like, this. oh, honey, if I were you, I'd be really frustrated too. Listen, I could really use your help. Could you go in the pantry and grab that uh, jar of spaghetti sauce and open that for me? Because that would really help me out. And the whole idea there is I've acknowledged you're upset, you're frustrated, you're disappointed. I get that. And there's some intensity to that. But then I gave them a little bit of movement, something to do that they're in control of, a job to do, some way to feel helpful, because that just helps them get back from being really frustrated, kind of up here, like eight to 10 level. Now they're back at a more calm, rational process. Now, once they're calmed down, now we can talk about, okay, so what's frustrating you? Why are you disappointed? Let's get to the root of this and let's problem solve. So I, I, I can do a lot more examples on that. The, the, the example of, um, you know, when Casey was yelling at my wife, I'd come into the kitchen and say, hey, I can tell you're frustrated. Listen, when you're ready, if you want to come play catch with me, if you want to come build with Legos on the floor, I'd love to build a spaceship with you. I wasn't trying to fix him in the immediate moment. I wanted to bond with him. I wanted to be with him. And I wanted him to be doing something with his hands because a lot of us have kids who have very busy hands. They're very sensory kids. So even sensory pressure, a, a weird one we did when we had kids that are, we used to have camps at our home. So we'd have like 10 strong-willed kids in our house. My go-to with so many of these kids was when they were upset would say, oh, I can tell you're frustrated. Sofa. I had a code word. They would go in the living room, throw the cushions off the sofa, and lie down on the hard part of the sofa because they liked the sensory pressure. I would walk in, put cushions on top of them, and then I would sit on top of the cushions, and it would instantly calm them. One, it was weird. Two, there was the physical pressure felt very good on their bodies. And thirdly, I wasn't and this is big. I wasn't looking them in the eyes. Yes. It, everybody always says, well, get down and look them in their eyes. But when kids are upset, they usually know they said something wrong, did something wrong, and they're ashamed of themselves. And so that's why, partly why I like the movement of open the jar. Let's build with Legos. Let's, let me sit on top of you. I'm not looking you in the eyes at the moment of your greatest shame and embarrassment. And it makes it easier. It's why talking with a child instead of let's sit down and let's recount what you did wrong. Instead, it's, I like walking alongside. We're walking a dog. And now while we're building with Legos, walking the dog, whatever it is, I can say, okay, so you're just yelling at your mom. I know that you know that's wrong. I also know that you know yelling at your mom, hitting your sister, lying, whatever the misbehavior. I know you know it's wrong, and I know that you know it brings dire consequences. So I'm curious, because I love that phrase. Yes. I'm curious, what was going on that led you to yell at your mom, hit your sister, yeah. misbehave? So the I'm curious, see, one is, let's have a talk, and I want you to admit that what you did was wrong. Well, your kids already know what they did was wrong. That's why they lie. So the I'm curious is I'm coming alongside you. I'm not mad at you. I want to help you stop making choices that hurt 
you. So instead of taking it personally, I can't believe that you would talk. It's like, okay, you just yelled at me. You know you can't do that, and you know it's going to hurt you. So I'm curious. Something must be going on inside of you that would lead you to do something that hurts you. So I'm the grown adult. I'm the authority figure, which means I'm the leader. And my job is to give you wisdom and tools so you don't do things that hurt you. And the I'm curious is, let's get to the root of it. Oh, so you are frustrated. You're overwhelmed. School's frustrating because you have dyslexia or maybe you're on the spectrum. You have ADHD. So focusing is harder for you. And you get frustrated when I ask you to do homework and you've got a brother or sister that does their homework very, very quickly and they're done early and everybody loves them and they're the good kid and you don't feel good about yourself. Okay. I get why you'd be frustrated with that. So how can I help you? And now we're problem solving instead of just sending the child to their room angry. Does that make, if, if that makes sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, really, really good words. And how does that, how do, then how do you take that same approach and apply it to other situations, you know, maybe like doing their, their work or, you know, uh, finishing tasks or, or anything else that your child may struggle with. Perfect. So now we'll get to the second step. So we calm the situation down. Now it's okay. So you're frustrated doing school. I get that. So what we talk about a lot is giving kids tools, right? Because watch misbehavior. Usually it's like, well, you misbehave, you did something wrong. And so if you don't change that, I'm going to give you a consequence. Well, we didn't really teach them how to do it differently. So rather than punishing for failure, I want to give the child tools to succeed. So for some of your kids, I'm imagining many strong-willed kids do have trouble just doing book work or focus. So here's the way I set it up. Look, your homeschooling work has got to get done, right? That's not an option not to do it. How we do it, though, hmm, I can be flexible. Here's what I know about your brain. You have a very busy brain. You're always thinking of ideas. And so movement would be really helpful for you. Mm -hmm. So instead of maybe sitting at a desk, why don't we practice? Why don't we experiment with you standing at the kitchen counter where you can rock back and forth while you're doing that math worksheet? And I might even give you headphones and let you listen to some music and even chew on something, eat a snack while you're doing your work. Because now you can be standing, rocking back and forth. You're getting chewing, which... um produces rhythm in the brain. Music is effective because there's rhythm in music. And if you can think about it this way, usually the strong-willed kids, kids with ADHD and kind of on the spectrum, they have these very busy brains that are kind of disorderly at at times. Well, all of that movement rhythm actually creates rhythm in the brain. So it's a tool we use to help them learn better, process information more quickly. Let me review your vocabulary words while you're jumping on a trampoline while we're kicking a soccer ball back and forth. We give a lot of tools. Let me do, um, why don't you do your schoolwork instead of sitting at the kitchen table? This is for younger kids. I'll put a blanket over the kitchen table. Well, we now have a fort. Forts by nature are more cool. And so you can sit. Yeah, now you can sit. I don't care if you want to lay down on the floor underneath the table in the dark. I will give you a flashlight because that's fun or matches. No, you can't do that, but that would be fun. (laughs) 
now you can do your homework like Abe Lincoln by candlelight in a different way. I have teenagers that will do their schoolwork better sitting out in the minivan. And part of it is they like the confined space. They like the freedom. And they like that their uh, parents' annoying voice isn't talking to them all the time. So I didn't mean that in a disrespectful way, but our voices are annoying to our kids at times. <laughs> and it's hard when you're a homeschooling parent because you have to be the disciplinarian, uh, feed them, get them to do schoolwork. Yeah, so I like, yeah, I like giving them some measure of independence to do their work in a different way. And it's just hard because your compliant kids may sit down at 8.30 in the morning, sit and knock out all that schoolwork in two and a half hours. And this strong-willed child is going to be arguing with you and delaying and avoiding certain subjects and coming up with excuses, right? And it's, and it's, and it's hard. So yeah. giving tools is a big part of this and not getting frustrated with them because that makes it worse as well, right? As soon as you start like, I don't know why it takes you so long. Yeah. And then, yeah, that doesn't work. Well, and then the other thing that, you know, the Lord had to beat into my head, I, I took a long time to learn this, was that I have to give the freedom for them to function in a way that doesn't make any sense to me. I can't stand to have music going on while I'm trying to write or do something else. I can't, I can't stand it. I can't think that way. So for a long time, I really fought against that. You know, I no, you don't think as well. You don't, it's too distracting. Well, it is for me, but it isn't for, for him, for actually more than just him, for, for a few of my kids. Um, you know, it's, it's actually stepping back, getting to know your children well enough and trusting them enough that you start to see the things that make them unique and giving them the freedom to, to even do the, the little things like that, listening to music. Um, the other thing that I learned was with a couple of my children, if I tested them on paper, it was really, really hard. However, if I just asked them the questions, they knew more about the subject and they could go deeper. If we did kind of a question answer discussion type of an, an assessment, I would be blown away by their level of knowledge. But a written test with multiple choice or you know short answer was not going to show me that. So, so actually really leaning into the freedom that we have as homeschoolers to tailor make their education is is a perfect application for this. But you've got to step back and remove your preset notions on what it's supposed to look like to allow your child to to find that path that really, really works well for them. That's awesome. Yeah. We'll talk about how controlling our own anxiety, getting control of our own control issues of yeah. uh, so in our sphere of how we think about it, I have very clear boundaries on the kids. Schoolwork, homework's getting done. But here's what's different. How you do it, yep. I'll give you, I will give you freedom to do it and do it in a different way than I would do it as long as we accomplish the same objective. And I know we're running out of time, but you'll be able to use that in so many different ways. Your chores need to get done. How they get done, I don't care. If you want to sweep the floor and do it backwards, if you want to do it blindfolded, I don't care. Do it in a weird way. 
as long as it gets done, go for it. And you will find when you give, you know, use that phrase, when we step back. Our phrase is when we step back as parents, it gives our kids space to step up and be responsible for themselves. Mm -hmm. And we're tying this loop from the very beginning of the conversation. How do you see this in the long run? We want kids who grow up to be responsible for themselves. But when we are micromanaging them and making them do things exactly the way we want it done all the time, we're really being responsible for their behavior instead of them learning how to own it themselves. So it's that stepping back is a beautiful, anxiety-inducing, really hard process. But it leads to, you know, both of us have older sons now, grown-up sons, who are killing it in the real world as adults. And it's precisely because we stepped back and didn't get in their way so much. So good job to you. And we give them... We give them the freedom or we can give them the freedom to allow their ingenuity to become, you know, just kind of second nature. So as they are faced with problems as adults, as you know, there are things that they see as wrong and they want to fix. We have already given them the confidence to lean into what their ingenuity is telling them to do, which which I think we're going to see pay off just greatly as they start their own families, get into their own careers and and do their own thing as God opens doors for them. Absolutely. You've done a great job, Leslie. I appreciate that. That's awesome. You get to see the fruit of it. <laughs> it's, so. it's amazing. It is. God is just good to, to let us live through the hard days <clears throat> and then enjoy enjoy the good ones. Um, so, well, Kirk, I could go, I, I literally this, we could just never stop talking. I could, we could just keep going. Cause I know that there are so many questions out there, but I also know that we're going to have a chance to talk, <clears throat> excuse me. We're going to have a chance to talk at our events. So, um, we'll, we'll purposely leave a little bit left unsaid for that purpose, but what are some of the things that, that you are going to talk about our, at our events that people can look forward to just as kind of a, a teaser? So we will go through, we'll have a whole session on discipline, how to get your kids to listen to, to respect you without ruining the relationship, without causing them to shut down. How do we motivate these kids? Right? How do you internally motivate the strong-willed child because they're not just going to do it because mommy and daddy want me to? We'll go through a lot of de-escalating. We'll go through some things for um, married couples, right? Because when you have a strong-willed child, I guarantee you, you're going to disagree with your spouse at first, right? One's going to be, oh, you just coddle that child. You let him get away with things. And then the other parent's like, well, you're too harsh on that child. So how... Do you get on the same page so that you rep- you know, present a consistent voice? How do you do that? How do you bring down that, that conflict in the home and give them? How do you thread that needle of giving them space to do things and do them differently without uh, just making it permissive parenting, right? Letting them get away with everything. So we'll go through some very, very tangible ways of homeschooling, doing schoolwork, um, disciplining, getting them to do their chores, all those basic things, just with a different, you know, hopefully you'll find it's very, very practical and, um, and, and, and very concise, you know, practical things. You can walk away from the convention and say, oh, we tried that and it actually worked. Hmm. That's what we want. And in the end, I always end every interview 
and every session with, I want you to be able to enjoy your strong-willed child again. Because along the way, you know, you all homeschooling moms, especially, <clears throat> you have an agenda, right? Like you're, you've read all the books, you, you know exactly what you want, you've got it all laid out. And this strong-willed child will come along and ruin your agenda. <laughs> and you stop enjoying them because you're too busy trying to fix them and change them and control them. And I want you to really like, you can hear in Leslie's voice, you can hear it in mine. I cherish that relationship, especially with that strong-willed kid. There's a bond there because we had to fight for it. And I want you to enjoy that child. And I hope when you walk away from the convention that that you really do enjoy that strong-willed child because it's an awesome thing. It really, really is. Well, Kirk, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really looking forward to seeing you in person, getting to to chat there. So it, I'm going to link to your website, link to a lot of your resources in the show notes um, so that we make sure that everyone knows there. Is there anything in particular, though, that, you know, if, if someone's just looking for kind of a quick hit, what you guys do at Celebrate Calm. Is there anything in particular that you want me to direct them to? You know, it, we have uh, just our podcast. We have the Calm Parenting Podcast. And if you listen to that, there's, I think, 200 episodes. So you can get a good idea. They're short and sweet, 10 to 15 minutes for busy moms. And um, yeah, just listen to that. You can, and on there, you always hear our email address. You can email us at any time. We're, this is a family mission. It's not a business. It's a family mission. We're glad to help um, with anything mm-hmm. that you're struggling with. So just let us know. Well, thanks so much. So, and the rest of you, thank you all for hanging out with us today. I hope that this has been challenging and really, really encouraging and hopeful, especially if you are just drowning in strong-willedness right now. Um, there is a great reward at the end of this this time of consistency and love and and respect for one another. You are going to build really strong, wonderful relationships with your kids. So um, come out and see us in Round Rock and in Pigeon Forge. We would love to be able to hang out with you. I'm sure Kirk will uh, have plenty of time hanging around his booth for conversations. I'm always available. Uh, We would just love to talk to you, pray with you, um, hear your stories, and get to know you better. So have a wonderful rest of your day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently. So we're here to help. We would love to get to know you this year at one of our four live Teach Them Diligently events. And then throughout the year, when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community, check out the notes from today's show for more details about what we discussed today, as well as all of these other resources that Teach Them Diligently has to offer. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.